But, uh, but God, in the beginning, when he created man, let's, let's look, and I want to I take a little bit of time, and I want to talk about creation, specifically the creation of man. We want to look specifically at the role uh, that woman plays, not only in creation, but in, in God's purpose that he had in the beginning at creation. Man was created in the image of God. Man was created in the image of his creator. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. I want you to notice the plural there. Let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. So in the beginning, God, when he created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you go through the successive days of creation. It was on day six that God created man and God created man in his likeness, in his image. The us here speaks of the one God in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is the image of the Son that man was given. Remember Jesus when he talked to the woman at the well? <clears throat> he said, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And who the person speaking to that woman at the well was the son who was the second part of the Trinity. Who came to earth and took on the form of humanity. And so man was created in the image of God. But specifically man was created to bear the image of the Son of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is that part of God, that part of the Godhead, the Son, that is manifest in physical form, that is manifest in the earth. And there is a reason why God said in the beginning, let us make man in our image. And this image is the image of the Son of God. Who is Jesus Christ? Well, the scripture very clearly teaches that Jesus is the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. How do we know that? Well, because the, the Bible tells us so. Hebrews 1 verse 8 says, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And you, Lord, he's speaking to the son, you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and, and, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. But it goes on to say in verse 2 of John 1, He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. All things were made through him. Through who? Through the word, the living word, the son of God, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.9 says, God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Colossians says, he is, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So in the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth? God created the heavens and the earth. But specifically, who, what, who was it that all things were created by, for, and through? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God Almighty. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image. Jesus said to the apostle that in John 14, they're getting, he's getting ready to go away to be crucified. And Philip says, Lord, if you'll just show us the Father, it would be sufficient. And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Why? Because me and the Father are one. Me and the Father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so God... In the beginning, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in perfect unity and perfect harmony, created heaven and earth. Created man in his image. So then God goes on. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 2. Now what you have, let me just, what you have in Genesis 1 is an overview of creation. Then when you get to Genesis chapter 2 then God begins to very specifically lay out what happened as he created man. And it says in Genesis 2-4, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And so in Genesis chapter 2, let's start in verse 18. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you should never have any alone time. It doesn't mean that you guys, that if you're single... Though you might think if you're single, it's not good. You might think if you're single, it is good. I don't know. You know, it kind of depends on where you are, I guess. But I want you to understand that what God is saying here is, is he is talking about something that is greater than just our individual lives. The Bible applies to our individual lives. And the promises of God and the promise of Scripture applies to our individual lives. But it also speaks of a purpose and a plan that God has that transcends our individual circumstances 
in our individual situations. And God is making a statement here about his creation. And he has created Adam, the first man. And he looks at Adam, and Adam was created after everything else on the sixth day of creation. Then God, it goes on, you'll see that God created um, the heavens and the earth. He put man in the earth. And it says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Let's read the scripture there. It says, the Lord God says, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become, what? One flesh. Now, God says he makes man, and he looks at man, and he says, it's not good that man is alone. And God brings to man all of the animals that were created, and Adam is naming all of the animals, and it says there was not found a helper comparable to him. This word comparable is an interesting word. It means Literally, part opposite, a counterpart. There was no counterpart found for Adam. There was no part opposite. In other words, it's like when you look in a mirror, you, what do you see? You see yourself, but, but what is the reflection? You're looking at an opposite, yet identical picture of yourself, correct? I mean, in a mirror... Everything is flipped opposite, right? This is what this word comparable means here. That when God, God says, I'm going to make a helper that is comparable, that is, that is part opposite, that will stand in front of you. And when you look at this helper I'm going to make, it will be identical to you, except it will be part opposite. And, and, and you will, you will come together and, and join together and perfectly become one. Why? Because you were made for one another. You were made to come together, the two parts, part, counterpart, come together and make one complete. Because where did Eve come from? Eve didn't come from the dirt like Adam did. Eve came out of Adam. And so God took Eve out of Adam set Eve before Adam and says, this is your counterpart. This is your helper. Eve was not inferior, nor was Eve superior to Adam, but they, they were and they are equal. They are the same. They are of the same kind. And they are meant to come together and complement one another. 
God made Eve to be Adam's counterpart, to be one with him. Adam would no longer be alone. Was that good for Adam? Sure, I'm sure it was good for Adam. I don't even know if Adam realized that he was alone. He had all the animals there. He was naming all the... It sounded like he was pretty busy to me. But, but there was something very important that was missing. And it was not simply companionship. It wasn't that Adam was sitting there in the garden and twiddling his thumbs not knowing what to do. God, I, I don't have anyone to talk to. The birds talk to each other and the fish talk to each other and the cattle talk to each other and the dogs talk to each other, but I, I don't have anyone to talk to. It wasn't that kind of thing that was going on here. There was a greater purpose that God had in store. And when he looked at man and saw that man was alone, he said, this is not good. This is not good. Because... Adam was not able to multiply after himself and fill the earth and carry out the command that God gave, which was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Adam could not do this alone. He couldn't. The dogs could make puppies and the cows could make little cows and the birds could make little birdies, but Adam was left alone and he was not able to carry out the command and the commission to multiply, be fruitful, and fill the earth. Why? Because he was alone and he had no counterpart. He had no part opposite of him. He had no suitable, comparable helper that he could become one with and fulfill what God had commanded at creation, which was to take dominion, fill the earth, and multiply. And so we see that alone, Adam could not multiply his own kind. So God brought Eve out of Adam so that their created image could be reproduced to fill the earth. Amen? Are you following me? So God's original intent was to do what? It was to fill the earth with what? With the divine image of his son. Whose image was Adam created in? He was created in the image of God. Who was it of the Godhead that all things were created by, through, and for? It was the Son, Jesus Christ. Whose image did Adam bear? He bore the image of God. Specifically, he bore the image of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was the command? Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with what? With the image you were created in. God sees Adam there alone and he says, Oh, we got a problem here. It's not good for man to be alone. Why? Not just because he might have gotten lonely, but more importantly because he could not. He could not fill the earth with the image he was given at creation. And that was God's original intent. It was to fill the earth with the divine image of his son, through the man, Adam, who was created in that image. What about God's present intent? God's present intent continues to be the same. It is to fill all in all with the divine image of Jesus Christ. How through his body, the church, which is in the earth. Which is the one new man created in himself. Look, flip over there with me. Hold your place in Genesis. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. 
I put this in your message guide so that you could refer to this scripture. So you're not just wondering where I'm getting these terms. Well, these terms come from the scripture. Ephesians 1.22 says, He put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus Christ, to be head over all things. To what? To the church. The church which is his body. Who is the body of the Lord Jesus? It is the church. The fullness, the church which is his, which is his body. The fullness of him who does what? Who fills all in all. Now look at, look at chapter 2. Verse 15. Speaking of what Jesus did. In making peace and becoming our peace, who took the two and made one who broke down the wall of separation. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the conflict, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to, why did Jesus abolish those things? Why did he destroy the enmity? Why did he get rid of the contradiction and the conflict? So that he could... Look at this. So as to create where? In himself. What? One. One new man. From the two thus making peace. What did Adam say? What did God say? He said it's not good for man to be alone. So he made Adam a woman. He took out of Adam. And he made Eve. And what did Adam say? It's the first prophecy recorded in the Bible. This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is woman. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And what will happen? The two will become one. Do you realize that was prophetic and proclaimed what the Lord Jesus Christ would do in breaking down the wall of separation in breaking down the enmity and the conflict, and bringing peace and reconciliation, and making the two one. And you begin to see that God, in creating woman in the beginning, when God created man and woman, God created them, and it became a perfect prophetic picture of what his purpose and intent was from the very beginning, before the beginning. It was to bring about the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, God would reconcile all things. Where? He would reconcile them in His Son. He would make the two one in His Son. And so Eve, Eve was God's created vessel to do what? To multiply the image, to multiply the image in the earth. Genesis 3.20, and Adam called his wife's name Eve. Why? Because she was the mother of all living. The word Eve means life giver. It was through who? It was through Eve that God intended to reproduce in all the earth the divine image that Adam received at creation. Now, you all know what happened. There was a fall that took place and we're not going to go into the details of the fall, but the fall took place. But then, when the Lord Jesus came in the first incarnation, and he went to that cross, 
Jesus brought reconciliation that resulted from the separation at the fall. The fall came, the separation, death entered in, sin entered in, man became eternally separated from God. There was no reconciliation that could be brought there. There was no way man could be reconciled to God. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the man from heaven, the perfect man, the one whom God says, I will choose for myself a man, a king who will do all of my will. That was the Lord Jesus Christ. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus reconciles all things. And he makes the two one. And he brings that which was separated back together and he brings reconciliation and restoration and so it was through Eve that God intended to reproduce in all the earth the divine image Adam received at creation just as it is now through the church that God is reproducing in the earth the divine image of Christ that is received where in the new creation if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. When do we become a new creation? When we are born again. Why is it important for us to be born again? Because until we are born again, which creation do we belong to? The old or the new? If we're not born again, we're of the old creation. And what happened to all men who are in Adam? The scripture says all who are in Adam died. And if I'm still in the old creation, I'm still dead. And I cannot. Now it becomes impossible for me. I lost the image of the Son of God. I lost the image that was given to Adam in the beginning. Adam lost it when sin and death entered in. But now, through the Lord Jesus Christ... Because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of what he did on the cross, he gives those who will believe in him, those who will receive his name, he gives them the right to become what? Children of God, John 1.12 says. And so now through the church, God is able to reproduce in the earth the divine image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is received when? It's received in the new creation when we are born again. So as Eve was the wife of Adam, so the church is called what? The bride or the wife of Christ. Do you, did you ever wonder why God used this symbolism? Why God used this language? Read Ephesians chapter 5 and Paul says, I speak of a mystery, a great mystery. I speak of concerning Christ and the church. Well, what was he talking about? He just got through talking about wives and husbands and how they're to love one another and how they're to, to respect one another and how they're to interact with one another. And he said, I'm not just giving you good practical advice here. I'm telling you that your very existence, this very institution of marriage, of husband and wife, and your interaction with one another is a picture of Christ and the church. It's a mystery. That God planned and, and, and hid before creation. And we have been allowed to become a part of that. To, to, to even declare that through our lives. And so Eve was the wife of Adam. Just as, Christ, as the church is called the bride or the wife of Christ. So look at this. God created Eve 
out of Adam to carry Adam's seed so that they could multiply and fill the earth with that image. Where did the church come from? The church is birth, it's born, it's created where? It's created out of Christ. No Christ, no church. No Jesus, no church. We didn't invent the church. I know we like to think we did. We want to put our name on the church. We want to put our stamp of approval on the church. We want to fill the church with our traditions. We want to make it something that belongs to man. But the church does not belong to man. The church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the bride. It is the wife of Christ. It's not man's creation. It is the creation of God. It didn't come from man. It came from the man, Christ Jesus. Just like Adam was birthed out of, Eve was birthed out of Adam, so the church was birthed, taken out of Christ and created out of that life that is not her own. See, you are a partaker of another's life. You don't have your own life. If you are, if you are born again, if you are of the new creation, you don't even possess your own life. You died. You were crucified with Christ. You live out of the life of another. That's why Paul says in Acts, in him we live and move and have our being. It's why he said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith where? In the Son of God. Jesus said, hey, you guys are like branches. I'm the true vine, you're the branch. Tell me, does the branch have life in itself? No. The branch has life. Why? Because it's connected to the vine. And so the life that the branch possesses, whose life is it? It's the life of the vine. What life do you and I have? We have no life unless we are connected to the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is our life. He said, hey guys, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he was not just using phraseology there because it sounded nice. He literally meant what he said. He said, I am the life. You don't just have life with me. You either have my life or you have no life. If you are a branch not connected to the true vine, you're out here withered and dead and the only thing you're fit for is the fire. Jesus never wrote John 15 to put fear of condemnation on people that if you're not doing exactly what God wants you to do, he's going to cut you out of the vine and throw you in the fire. That's not what that scripture means. That scripture says you either are connected to the true vine. And why did he say true vine? He said true vine because there are other vines. But those other vines, just like he said, either make the tree good or make the tree bad. A, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. If you are of a good tree, then your fruit will be good, Jesus said. If you are of a good fountain, then your water will be sweet. It won't be bitter. So if you're connected to the true vine, you're not going to have a problem with fruit. And God, the vine dresser, he knows how to bring fruit out of you. If you're down in the dirt, he'll lift you up and clean you up. Jesus said to his disciples, you're already clean because of my word. If you're producing fruit, he knows how to prune you to make you produce even more fruit. 
Those are good things. Those aren't things to bring fear to us. Those are things that should cause us to rejoice and be encouraged. But here's what he says. He goes on. He says, but listen, guys. Any branch that's not in me is withered and dead and only fit for the fire. Any branch that's not where? In me. You go home tonight and pick any tree you want or any vine you want and you cut a branch off of that vine and you lay it on your porch and you come back at the end of tomorrow and tell me what that branch looks like. It will look withered and dead. You know why? Because it's not connected to life. God's not trying to cut you off. God's trying to make you fruitful. That's what he wants to do. And he says, life is where? It's in my son. And so God created Eve out of Adam to carry that seed, to fill and multiply in the earth. So God has chosen what? The church to be the bride of Christ, to reproduce the image of Christ, where? In all the earth. It is in Listen, it is in the church that God has planted the seed of Christ so that it can be multiplied and fill the earth. It is in the church that God has planted the seed of Christ so that that seed can be multiplied. It was in Mary's womb that he put that divine seed so that the Son of God could come forth. It is in his bride, the church, that he puts the divine seed with the purpose that it be multiplied and fill the earth. Do you realize our purpose today is no different than it was at the beginning of the first creation? We are to take dominion. We are to, to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it. Fill it with what? Fill it with the image of the divine son. It is in the womb of the church that God plants his seed. Have you ever thought about, now we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the weeks to come, but have you ever thought about the parable of the sower? Who does the ground represent? It represents us. Tell me, what does the ground do to make the seed grow? Does the ground work really hard to make the seed grow? Uh-uh. It receives the seed, and what does the seed do? It abides in the ground. You know, there were four types of soil there that Jesus said that represented four different hearts. But there was only one heart, there was only one soil that did what? Produce fruit. It was good soil. And what Jesus is saying, if you're not good soil, you can receive the word with joy, you can get excited about it, but, but until you become good soil, you will produce no fruit. There's only one kind of soil that produces fruit. It's good soil. There's only one vine that is true. And it is only that true vine that will produce true fruit. And God has chosen the church to be his good soil. To plant his good seed in. And when that seed is planted, I'm going to tell you what. You can water it. You can plant, you can water, but you can't bring the increase. Only God can bring the increase. What is the job of the ground? It is to let the seed grow. What is the job of the branch? It is to let the life flow through it and the fruit to manifest on it. 
What was the purpose of the cross? That we would be crucified and taken out of the way so that what? So that the life of God can flow through us and manifest through us and fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Son of God. That's what God wants to do through your life. It really is. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. The importance, the importance and the honor of motherhood. Now, I want you to think about this. God could not do this without a woman. Do you realize that? Do you understand now why God looked at man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. God didn't say that because he felt sorry for the man. I promise you, guys can find something to do. They'll go fishing. You ever think maybe Adam said, God, you know, if you'd have left me alone, I could have spent a whole lot more time fishing than this woman will let me spend right now. Lord, I wouldn't have all these honeydews that I've got to do all the time. You ever think about that? Guys don't have a problem. I'm being facetious. But listen, the reason why it was not good for man to be alone is because alone man could not multiply that seed. He could not fill the earth with the image of the Son of God. And you begin to understand the importance of woman. Why it was absolutely essential that God create Eve so that Adam could multiply his seed. And that woman was a picture, a type, a foreshadowing of who? Of you, the church. And God, for whatever reason, He is God and He doesn't have to answer to us. Could God, did God have to create a woman? No, He didn't have to, but He chose to. Did God have to create the church? Did He have to birth the church? Did He have to choose the church? No, He didn't have to, but He did. And the fact that He did is actually very good news. For us, Because now God gives us the opportunity to come into life in his son through faith. And we become partakers of the divine nature. And we become the ground, the place, the womb, the person that God would plant his seed in that would be multiplied so that that image would fill the earth. And the angels in heaven look at humanity. They look at the redeemed and they can't figure us out. Why would God put his seed in those human beings? Why? They desire to look into this salvation. But God in his grace, and it is by his grace. That's why the scripture says, by grace you have been saved. Because it's only the grace of God that God chose to do what he chose to do and how he chose to do it. So we come, let's think about the, the world we live in today. You ever wonder why motherhood is under such attack? Why women come under such attack? I'm telling you, because the enemy hates women. He does. Because it was through the seed of the woman that it was prophesied, her seed will bruise your head. And from Genesis 3.15 on, the enemy was looking for an opportunity to destroy the seed of the woman. You ever wonder why the fallen angels came and they cohabitated with the sons of men, the daughters of men? 
And Genesis 6 says, there was a man, Noah, who was perfect in his generations. It didn't say his behavior was perfect. It didn't say Noah never made a mistake. It said Noah was perfect in his generations. You know what that meant? His seed was not corrupted. And there was only one man left in the earth whose lineage, whose seed was not corrupted. That's what the scripture says. He was perfect in his generations. And God says, I must destroy humanity except for this one man because he is the only man left perfect in his generations. We think, oh God, that was so cruel, so unfair of God to destroy all those people. Oh, contraire. Because God loved man so much, he had to destroy the world and save Noah. Because had he not, the seed would have been corrupted. The Lord Jesus Christ would never have been able to come. And man would never have been redeemed from sin. Poor Joseph. He, God just let him suffer so long for so many years. It took over 20 years for Joseph to finally be vindicated. That just seems so unfair to me. But do you realize that had Joseph not taken his journey into Egypt and suffered what he suffered, he would have never come to be second in command in Egypt. And Jacob and the sons would never have been able to receive the food that sustained them through the famine. Indeed, they would have all perished because it was Joseph's dream inspired by God. It was his ability to interpret those dreams that enabled him to come to that position. And he saved, not just he saved his family, but he saved the seed that was in the loins of Judah who would ultimately bring forth the Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you begin to understand that God sees things that we can't see. And God knows things that we can't know. And that's why he says, listen, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Would you trust me? Because you're in the middle of a dark, dirty, stinking dungeon, Joseph. But I've got a plan. You're a dreamer because I made you a dreamer. And Joseph never lost faith in God. And I believe it was the grace of God that enabled him to go through that. Why? Because God was going to bring the seed of the woman who would ultimately crush the head of the serpent. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And God began that process when he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him because unless there is that helper, unless woman is brought onto the scene, the seed can never come forth and the the redemption of mankind will never, ever take place because Jesus crucified was not plan B because the scripture says he was the Lamb of God slain when? Before the foundations of the earth. The cross wasn't plan B. The cross was God's intent all along because it's through the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that God will ultimately fill this created order with the image and the knowledge of his son. And by his grace, he has made you and I a part of that. And if that doesn't make you get excited, then something ain't right. Something ain't right. So this importance, this whole concept of motherhood has been downplayed in our culture today. 
in our politically correct culture, ideas are promoted that are contrary to the purpose given man in the beginning. I know people who, who say they're not going to have children, they're not going to have families because they don't want to bring children into this horrid world and we're overpopulated. Do you know that's a lie from the pit of hell? God said in the beginning, be fruitful, subdue, take dominion, be fruitful and multiply in the earth. And mankind has bought the lie of the enemy because the enemy is still trying to stop the image of the sun from being filling, from filling this earth. And he'll use political correctness, he'll use overpopulation, he'll use global warming, he'll use any scare tactic he can use to keep the image of the sun from filling this earth. And so we're listening and we're believing these ideas that are promoted really from the pit of hell is where they come from. They don't come from God, I'm telling you. The culture conditions people to believe that large families are harmful to the earth, yet God said to be fruitful and to multiply. Listen, God created the earth. You don't think he knows how to take care of it? Yes, he does. How dare the pot say to the potter, why did you make me the way you did? How dare we say to God, don't you know, God, that we're going to destroy this earth? God says, boy, you don't know what you're talking about. I am the creator of heaven and earth. Were you there when I flung the stars out? Were you there when I spoke and light came into existence? Were you there? No, you weren't there. And you're here only by my grace. The culture conditions people to think that motherhood is less fulfilling, less important, or less appealing, a less appealing vocation than others. You know, the question is not about women having or not having careers outside or inside the home. That's not the question. That's not even the debate because we're free to do. We're free to do that. Women have more opportunities now than they ever have, and they should have all the opportunity afforded them. They absolutely should. The question is this, though. Do we recognize the honor and the unique position that women hold in God's created order? See, women shouldn't feel compelled to try to prove that they're equal to a man. And men shouldn't feel compelled to put women in their place because they feel threatened by them. Both are born out of insecurity. Both are born out of fear. And the scripture says, perfect love cast out all fear. We need to accept who we are as God has created us. We need to embrace who God has made us to be. We need to embrace the purpose for which God has put us in the earth. Not just as men, not just as women, but who we are in the place we are to function in His body. God created man and said... It is not good. Sorry, guys. God created woman and he said, it is very good. <laughs> well, that ought to tell you something right there. God helped us out, guys. He said, you are, you are in sad shape, boy. It ain't no good for you to be alone. Let me create a woman for you. And then it's going to all be good. Matter of fact, he said, it'll be very good. That's what he said. Man alone, without a part opposite, without a counterpart, is not good. For man without woman cannot be fruitful, cannot multiply. A man, as man is a type of Christ, woman is a type of the church. God created woman to multiply the seed of man, 
So God has created the church to do what? To multiply the seed of Christ in all the earth. Eve, the mother of all living, represents all women who hold a very special place in God's redemption of mankind. Amen? That's why, that's why the Holy Spirit spoke through the Apostle Paul and said, Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So women, we honor you today. Because without you, the plan of God could not ever have been and will not ever be accomplished. God in his infinite wisdom knew how to make it very good. He created it. Praise God. Amen. So you guys, you thank a woman. You women, thank your mothers. Thank the Lord. I've heard women say before, I wish God would have made me a man. Be thankful. God made you who you are. Male or female. Be thankful. Because God knows what he's doing. Let's worship. If I could have the worship team come back up right now. I want to know, is there anyone here you've never, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, I'm, I have never been born again, Pastor Jeff. I've never committed my life to the Lord Jesus. If that's you and you would like to have prayer tonight, you'd like to make that commitment, I would love, I would love to pray with you. And we would love to pray with you as a congregation. Is there anybody? Don't be ashamed. We all had to come to that place. Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord. And, uh, and I want just encourage you to meditate on what we've talked about in the scripture tonight. How God's plans and God's ways are so much greater than our own and our ability to comprehend them. Aren't you glad that's true? you're here and you need prayer for any any reason as we worship the Lord as we just lift our praise to him you're free to come up here and and uh, I'll be happy to pray with you
church my people I have come to you in many days I have asked you to repent but your sins are great and you do not come to me for you don't know that if I do not serve you first on that cross And I don't put shoes on your feet, your bare feet. And the Lord, I'm seeing Jesus putting shoes on somebody who has no shoes. The Lord says, if you don't come to the cross and let me serve you, you have no part with me. He says, there are many of you that come to this church hungry. And wanting a move of God. But the Lord says you have not prepared a place for me in your heart. I have been looking for you. I have been seeking you. To make you clean and to wash you of your sins. And I see... Christian people from this church and I see water in the Jordan River and I see people going in the waters and just coming out with white clean robes and they're going in with just their simple clothes and they're coming out white and they're coming out and the Lord says you have come out from the washing but you have turned your back from me he says return to me my people for I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. He says, many people have asked me to come and to live in your hearts and make a home, but you have not prepared a place for me. Your house, which is your heart, is crowded. Your life is crowded of many things. You find pleasure in entertainment on television. Your life is like a race car. You keep going and you never stop. And I just see the race car going in circles around the track. And the Lord says, come. I have wanted to stop that race car many times. He says, but you will not see it. You will have no part in it because you have decided your own fate. He says, you have made the Christian walk your way he says but you've put a lot of things for people to stumble he says come come evildoers because I will change you I will show you the way to walk the real way to walk of a Christian he says you praise me and you sing to me songs of worship with your mouth you praise me but your heart, your hearts are so far departed from me. He says, it is the pure heart that I want. 
a contrite heart. He said, you've asked me to move in, Taylor. He said, I want to move in your life first. It is in the house of the Lord where the correction must start. And the Lord says, come to me, my people. And I see the tree. And in that tree, there's a man sitting up there. And he's a short man. The Lord is reminding me of the word where he calls this man down from this tree. And he says, come. Because today I will dine in your house. And the Lord says, many of you have impurities in your life, in your heart. And you have not come to the washing. He says, I'm calling you to come now because I'm going to put shoes on your feet. I'm going to send you on your way so that you can continue ministering. He says, but if you don't come, there is a warning coming to you. You will grow dry and cold and hungry. And you will look around. And the food, the bread that you will eat. He says, the bread that you have eaten is stale. He said, come, because I will give you a new word, a refreshing word, a new cup of water. He says, come, because I am the producer of life. He says, and like those branches that do not produce fruit will be cut off because my father is the gardener. Likewise you. He says, come, come and I will show you. I will show you to be gardeners of other people's lives. And I will produce great food in your life, but you must come to me, my people. I am the sovereign Lord God you have been seeking. It is a new word that you need in your life. Come, and I will give you the rhema word that you must speak unto others' lives. Come, I have so long desired to do a new work in you, but you have failed to come to me. And you have thought that in your own ways you are the master. He says, but you're not. You've left me behind and you continue to walk. He says, now I never departed from you. You left me. Come, my people. I'm bringing a healing to America. The Lord says, come. I will start in my house. You are my house. You are my people who have left me. I've never forsaken you. Come. Because I am the Lord your God and I see the depths of your heart and I know that you're wicked. The brothers around you may think that it is okay and that you're okay, but the Lord says you've hidden your sin. He says and underneath what you're covering with, the sin is still there. He says you have not come because you're corrupt. He says come so that I will make your seed clean that I can produce from you good fruit come the Lord says today is the day of the new generation you will birth many thank you Lord I give you this word and I cover it with the blood of Jesus and father I just prophesy upon these people's hearts as you showed me Lord Today I was getting dressed and the Lord said, I said, Lord, what word should, what, what should I wear? What shirt? And he said, I want you to wear that shirt. And I said, that shirt? I haven't done my laundry. My shirt is dirty. 
I wore it last sun, last Saturday, and the Lord says, I want you to wear that shirt, and I saw the Lord wearing that shirt, and I put that shirt on, and he says, he says, many of you have come wearing dirty garments, and the Lord knows your heart. He says, you hide behind a smile, he says, but I know you, and I ask that you come because I need to wash your robes, and I need to make them white as snow. The Lord says, enough. The time has come for a new completion. And the Lord is about to take this church somewhere else. And he says, you are my church. And I need to take you to the washing of the robes.
My 
bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befalls, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Still be my vision, O ruler of all. Lord, it's our prayer tonight. From our heart, Lord, that you would be our vision. Lord, that we would submit to you in our hearts. Lord, to your will, Lord, your perfect will. Lord, that we would not walk by faith, would not walk by sight, but we would walk by faith. We would not walk according to what we can see, Lord, but according to what we cannot see. Lord, we just declare your perfect will in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. Before we are dismissed, I just want to do one other thing. <clears throat> I just, uh, if you're here and your wife is with you or uh, the person next to you, I, I just want to pray over all the women here. And uh, you guys, uh, you ladies, pray for one another. Just If we could just get with somebody and I just want to pray a closing prayer. And I just want to speak a blessing over all the women. Whether you're a mother or you're not a mother, I just want to declare a blessing. The scripture says that in the tongue resides the power of death and life. And those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. And there is power in declaring the blessing of the Lord. I believe that. And so, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, that you're a sovereign God. That you're a God of mercy and grace. But you're also a God of great power, great majesty. Lord, in your infinite wisdom, before the foundations of the earth were formed, God, you had a plan, a plan of redemption, a plan of salvation. Lord, you formed the man from the dust of the earth. You breathed your life into him. But Lord, it was the woman that you brought from the side of the man. And Lord, we know that everything in Scripture speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paints a picture of and foreshadows the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of redemption that only He was able to do. And Lord, when you brought that woman from the side of man, Lord, it was a picture of the church being birthed from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. From the first man Adam you brought Eve but from the last Adam the Lord from heaven you birthed the church and Father we just speak a blessing over every woman in this place tonight Lord as she from the beginning typified your plan of redemption Lord as she typified the way that you would multiply the seed in the earth Father we honor women tonight we honor the place that they hold and your plan of creation and in your plan of redemption. And Father, we utterly reject the counsel of this world or the, the Lord, the conventional wisdom of our culture that would somehow diminish 
Lord, the plan and the purpose and the role that you created woman to fulfill. Lord, we honor, we honor your creation tonight. And we bless them, God, and pray that you would give them strength beyond their, beyond their days, beyond their years. Strength, Father God, to do the things that are before them to do. Strength to walk in your plans and your counsel and your purpose. Strength to fulfill every purpose of God in their life individually and to fulfill every purpose of God that you have destined for them corporately. Father, we thank you that you loved man enough to give him the woman. And that, Father, your word, your declaration was, it was very good. Father, we bless, we bless women tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy and your divine wisdom and sovereignty in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Have a good evening. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand. Praise God.